On the show today is actor and musician Mark Colley. You've seen him in The Punisher and in the TV series National, and he's performed alongside Johnny Cash. He talks about all that and his latest documentary. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host Benjamin and joining me on the show today is Mark Colley. Now, just last night, Mark's documentary, uh, set at Brushy Mountain Prison, aired, and um, there's going to be a subsequent album, and it's going to air again tonight, Friday, at 9pm on the Blaze Network in America, and it's going to be released online a little bit later on for worldwide fans. He also talks about working with Johnny Cash and his influence and how he inspired him, as well as the short film in which he portrayed Johnny Cash, and he also talks about uh, his work as an actor and what it takes to be a musician in today's world. Here's my chat with Mark Colley. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be on with you today. Now, what inspired you to pursue a performance career? Well, I think uh, I began uh, as a kid, you know, uh, playing guitar and writing songs, and... uh, and singing them for folks, you know. And uh, it sort of evolved from there, you know. I never really... Uh, it wasn't something I sort of sat down and said, okay, I want to be a, a singer-songwriter. <laughs> I rather uh, evolved into it uh, naturally. And uh, when I, uh, you know, I began to, you know, figure it out, uh, I, just sort of, I sort of walked into a career, you know. Mm. And which do you love more, music or acting? I would have to say that music is my first love. Writing songs is my first. I think that's the first thing that I, you know, realize I might have some talent for. And uh, so it's still basically my first way of expression, you know. Mm. And what training did you go through to get to where you are today? Bad choices and hard knocks. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, I don't I haven't I had a I learned to write songs basically because of, I, when I first started playing guitar when I was you know nine or ten years old I knew two chords and there are not a lot of songs in two chords so I basically had to make up something to go with it you know <laughs> and uh, so songwriting sort of evolved. Uh, I don't think there's anybody can teach you how to write a song yet. Just figure it out, you know. Uh, as I began, as I came to Nashville and began to pursue it professionally, I had a lot of great mentors and uh, great writers who helped sort of teach me how to craft and basically learn what to leave out of a song. And um, as far as acting goes, uh, I had a, a director tell me if I ever did a acting class, I was fired. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know how I got here. I just sort of uh, answered the call. You know. And it certainly worked out well for you. Yes, it's worked out really good. I thank God I had a great sense of humor. Uh, he sort of gave me these opportunities, and I didn't know I couldn't do it, so I just did it, you know. Gave it your best, and you're here today. Now, what do you think is the most valuable thing a young musician can do today to break into the industry? Get an education. 
you know, uh, I uh, I didn't uh, pursue uh, anything except, you know, uh, rough houses and honky tones and beer joints and places to play when I got out of school. And uh, I'd always intended to go back and, and further my education, uh, not realizing that, you know, music is a business and uh, having the understanding of uh, of uh, music, of business, and publishing, and, and uh, streams of income, and how to manage that, I, I could have been much better prepared. And uh, I would encourage anybody that thinks they want to do this to get their education while they're uh, honing their craft. Uh, it will serve you well in the long run, and it will save you a lot of heartache and money. <laughs> mm. Now, in the past few years, we've seen the introduction of a lot more digital media and, and digital ways of consuming music. How has that affected your content output and how you work in the music industry? Well, I think uh, a lot of what has evolved, you know, through the technologies of streaming and, and access to music uh, has hurt uh, the industry from the standpoint of uh, songwriter incomes because uh, it's sort of, and it rather caught, you know, the record industry off kilter. They're sort of catching up now. But uh, ultimately, you know, there's so many ways if a song is heard and played and shared, uh, the, the only person that really suffers is the songwriter. And so that's affected not just my life, but every songwriter. And, in the industry. And I'd like to see if we can't find ways to make sure that the writers are not the last and the least to be uh, compensated. Otherwise, great, talented people won't write songs. They'll find a way to make a living. Uh, from the aspect of just, I mean, the social media and the online, uh, you know, exposure, it's, it, anybody can be a star today. Uh, and that's a good thing, and it's a bad thing, you know. Uh, mm. But uh, for me, it's just, you know, sort of, uh, I've been blessed to have enough uh, uh, smart people around me to sort of keep us focused and moving forward. It's a great way to expose to how many, and you can, you know, more people see films and performances on their phone than go to concerts, you know. You're certainly able to reach, to reach a, a wider range of people now. Yeah, we do. We reach, and that's a great thing. You know, we don't ever know, and uh, and people just can discover. It, it rather gives a little bit more power or more uh, control to the to the creator, uh, because uh, if you have a great idea, you have a great song or a concept, uh, it could find an audience. Or the audience can find you without having to go through what were the normal, you know, doors and, and, and course and, and paths we used to have to take. You sort of go around the building, you know. You don't have to go through the same corridors that people did, mm. you know, uh, 15, 20 years ago. You can uh, you can break online and uh, sort of have a little bit more control of your own destiny. Those things are good. And, uh, but like I say, there's a lot out there, you know. There certainly is. It's so, now about uh, discerning the good from the bad. Yeah. 
Now, um, I did just want to, you, you mentioned, obviously, about the, the payment for songwriters. And I know in Nashville at the moment, the Songwriters Association is having to fight for fair pay. And they've been reaching out to, uh, to professional musicians and songwriters and asking them for messages of support. Uh, I suppose, what are your views and what would you like to say to the songwriters who Sony want to take the, the, the money away from? What, what do you say to them at the moment as they're fighting for the right to make money off their songs? Oh, certainly. Don't stop, you know. We, uh, I would just encourage you to know that eventually uh, we can get this right. Uh, I believe we can. Otherwise, uh, you know, it, the world has to have music. It needs a song. Uh, it's the way we communicate. It's the way we. Uh, it brings down all barriers. You know, uh, you can't uh, you can't imprison the message in a song. Once it's been written, shared, and, and, and heard, uh, and you can't make a record without it, <laughs> and you can't, uh, you know. So it's important, uh, and it has always been the most, the least compensated of all in our industry historically, and perhaps through this new uh, day of. Uh, of communication and access, uh, we'll have an opportunity for the best of the better songs to be heard and greater songs and, and greater books of music to be made. But the, it's about money. And if they don't have to pay us, they won't. So we have to fight that. We have to lobby for that. And we have to fight for that uh, to be, continue to be recognized. Uh, you know, it's, uh, the curtains are back. There are no secrets about it now. And yet, uh, and I think that uh, as long as they don't pay us, the songs won't be as good because they'll find people who will play for free. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, we all start playing for free. You know? And in the long run of life, if you do this just for money, you won't want to do it. You don't want to do it because uh, nothing can compensate what it takes to... Uh, the re There's no... The reward is the song and the connection and the power that it has and the joy that it brings and the healing that it can bring. So we have to have songs. The world would perish without music. Uh, there's a song in all of us and there's a need in all of us to hear a song and sing together. So uh, I would just encourage songwriters to, you know, fight the good fight, write the best song you can, and God will figure it out in the long run. Mm, very, very wise words. And you yourself have written some wonderful songs, and a best-of collection has been released on an album called Icon earlier this year. At what point did you discover your sound? That's an evolution, you know. Uh, and I think it is, and it happens uh, based on all of the influences that, that happen around you that you grew up with and, uh, and the way and, and everything in the world around you and the technology around you. And um, I think that's the hardest thing, I think, for a writer or for an artist or anybody is to at some point say, okay, I am who I am and I can't be anybody else, you know. 
even if you borrow from a little from Dylan or Springsteen or from Bono or whoever, uh, ultimately the, the the it stops with you and begins with you. For me, my sound, I don't know. I mean, I grew up uh, listening and playing around West Tennessee. When I was very small, my earliest influences were the old records from Sun Records that were around the house, you know. And uh, my grandmother's home, and then, you know, you know I, I listened to a lot of music, you know, and uh, a lot of writers, and I was sort of challenged to try to write as good a country song as I could write and rock as hard as I could in the roadhouses at night, you know. And uh, it just happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm still evolving and still defining the next thing I'm going to do, you know. And that's the beauty in it, and that's the joy in it. It's a challenge every day to get up and try to write another song uh, or try to make another record that matters that's not the same thing. And, uh, and, that's, and that never changes. That hasn't changed with me since I was nine years old, you know. Mm. And in your career, you've had the incredible opportunity to play with some legendary artists. Who has been your favorite to work with so far? Well, I guess my favorite guy to tour with is Jim McGraw, you know, because we're very close friends. I like being around uh, people that I know and trust, you know. But, you know, when I first started doing this, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, I got to be around uh, Johnny Cash, you know, played a few shows with John. And uh, Jerry Lee used to come out and hang out the bars while I played in Memphis, you know, after hours. And I learned a lot from being around them and watching them. And, uh, but I don't know who my favorite is. Either, but that's, who's your favorite guy to work with? I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, maybe, the next, maybe the next guy I work with, I don't know. But I've been, I have been uh, blessed to be around a lot of great greatness early on. And uh, when I came to Nashville, uh, a lot of the guys who are now you know, huge, iconic stars were just guys on the streets and hanging out in the same places that, that I was. And, uh, and I was fortunate enough that they cut some of my tunes. And, uh, you know, I've, got a, I've got a lot of great friends and relationships over the years. You know. mm, certainly. And was there any feedback or, or advice you got from some of those artists like Johnny Cash that shaped your career or helped you see things in the music industry a little clearer? Well, Johnny and, and Waylon uh, and those cats are iconic, you know, mentors of mine, uh, gave me a few words occasionally. And, uh, one was... Uh, be yourself and you never have to rehearse. And that was Waylon. And I, John said, don't follow a trend and you won't go out of style. <laughs> now, you, uh, you actually played Johnny Cash in a short film. How did the fact you performed alongside him at one stage influence your portrayal? Um, I don't know, John and Jim back in my day, about 1990 or 91. John had me come up to New York to open and do a date or two with him there in uh, 
the first night, Jen came and addressed me, and she said, John's going to come in here and ask you something. You just say yes. And he came in and showed me they're getting ready to make his adoption book to be a movie. And uh, they wanted me to play him. They felt like I could represent him. And that short film was basically a screen test that my friend and director and writer, John Lloyd Miller, and I put together. And we shot it in two days and edited the next day and sent it to John. And I'll say he approved of it and he used it. They hoped that I would get the gig, but obviously uh, it was uh, meant to be uh, someone else in that role. So. But I feel like I helped move the ball a little bit off the John story. That was basically just a page or a chapter of his life that the short film represents. It's called I Still Miss Someone. I think you can get it on Vimeo or YouTube and look at it. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll put a link for people to, to view it in the show notes so people can just click straight through because I had a look at it this afternoon and it, it really is fantastic. It, it looks amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, we we won everything. I mean, it went in a lot of festivals and you know won the LA and New York film festivals and, and we felt like that we had uh, tapped into uh telling of John's uh, history uh, that was, uh, I think it was a sort of a, a, another stopping place. And I felt like in the short that I had to, so, I mean, I, we, I, the, the, basically the short is from what I, stories that I've heard and situations that I know uh, he, he was in and it was rather uh, method uh, or improvisational was that even though we had a working Sort of script and outline, and John and June thought I reminded them of him, and that was a great honor. And I was very flattered, and I feel like the short helped them get their uh, get the feature move on down the road, even though it was a decade later before it happened. You know, or over a decade. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's funny you say that was a screen test, uh, you know, for that film, but. I, I can't imagine today that any screen test could look that good. As an actor, I'm sure you know that that, thing, that kind of audition process has evolved. How have you seen the acting industry change over the last 20 years? Well, you know, right now, everybody wants you to put something on, take it home, or, you know, everybody's got their own little, uh, you know, iPhone auditions, you know. I've never really auditioned for that many films. Uh, I've been fortunate you know, the Punisher, uh, I got a call from the director, the writer, John Hensley. And uh, he and I met in L.A. as uh, just, you know, drinking buddies. <laughs> and after hours at the Sunset Marquee, and he called me and said, I'm doing this thing. And that was fun. I, you know, I'm the first Marvel book character, Marvel comic book character in my class. And I liked playing Harry Heck, even though it was sort of cameo. Uh, but yeah, it's, the process has changed. I mean, for me, I prefer to talk to a director whoever's doing the film to see if they think I can do it and if I think I can work with them, you know. But uh, for the most part, you know, it's a, 
it's a different game in many ways. Mm. But most of the gigs I've got making uh, films, television, would be somebody I knew. I've met. Well, uh, well, last night, after 15 years in the making, you released a documentary where you spent a lot of time at a maximum security prison talking to and making music with inmates. What inspired this? John Cash and, uh, and the work he did in the prison. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, may or may not know, but, you know, his, it, was, it was important to him to bring awareness, to try to bring some joy and shine a little light and folks on the San Quentin and uh, try to make somebody's life a little better, give somebody some hope. And of all the things I learned about John from a few conversations I was able to have with him, and a lot of people don't know, but Merle Haggard was an inmate at San Quentin, you know, when John played there. And, uh, and Merle said that, you know, totally changed his his trajectory, you know. And without Merle Haggard, you know, where would country music have been for two or three decades, you know, or even today? Mm. And Johnny Cash, and uh, it was, uh, uh, but got heavy on my heart to think, well, you know, it's too bad somebody doesn't do these things today. So I began going to Brushy Mountain uh, State Prison in East Tennessee with my guitar to try to just, you know, see what. I could do to change one life for the better, you know. And it evolved into something much, uh, much bigger and heavier. And uh, then I decided, well, I'll spend some time with them and I'll write some songs and then I'll do a concert in the prison yard and we'll film it. <laughs> and this was in like 99, 2000. And in 2001, we were able to get camera crew in the prison, which had never been a still camera in that prison. You, you look up Brushy Mountain, it was rather notorious uh, in the day, and uh, it's closed now, but ultimately we made, I think we made an important film. Uh, and it documents, uh, and it, then it got caught up in the politics and things changed, and the label decided they didn't want to do it, didn't want to finish it. I, my, it was rather, I wanted to a live record, a live concert, and document my conversations. Uh, and uh, that may have been a little too crazy or ambitious, but we have now done that, and the film finally got finished. Um, even though it, it started out as one concept, now it became, it's a different story now because since 2001, a lot of the guys I spoke with, with got out. And last year or two, I went back and found them. And we sat and did and found out how the music may have helped them or changed them. You'll have to watch it, you know. Mm -hmm. I think films like songs are self-explanatory or they're not. <laughs> and was so it a, yeah, was it's hard it... to talk about. I'm going to tell you, my inspiration was the fact that it, I know the word John did change lives and made my life better, you know, the music that made from there. And I just want to try to do something like that and sort of carry that mission or process or calling forward. Because I think that uh, God didn't give us the talent to strictly have top 10 records. 
Well, would you say that whole experience of performing there and, and trying to make their lives better was gratifying for you? I have, I have found some, some good from it. You know, it's, it's, it's been enlightening for me. Uh, it's challenged me to understand and to actually to, uh, as I look, I didn't know when I began this exactly what I was going to find or what I was going to learn. But it was, if I had, I known, I might not have gone, you know, mm. uh, and, but because it was heavy, you know, I, mean, I met some guys that, uh, did some really, you know, bad, ugly things and, uh, challenged me to try to understand, to see them as God would see them and understand their souls are as important as mine. And also I realize there's a lot of guys that need to be in there and stay in there. But most of them are getting out and we can't find a way to communicate better, understand better. Uh, we'll just keep recycling crime, you know. And I uh, just try to make sure I could, you know, see if I could turn one life into a, a, a positive direction that might change the life of their families and people that might have been hurt and might not get hurt, you know. I guess we could talk about this forever. All I know is that I just tried to make a difference, and I hope that, and I believe that we have. Mm. Well, I mean, the documentary is airing again in the U.S. this Friday for our U.S. listeners who would like to see that. That's at 9 p.m. For our worldwide audience, do you think at some point this could be made available online or as a DVD? Yeah, it will be online uh, soon. soon we, the Blaze Network uh, saw it, and uh, they decided to... Uh, to get it from your airing after, you know. I mean, the film's only done, we actually only got it done in the last year, year or two, but um, they actually wanted it to show it because it's so important now with, uh, not just in this country, but around the world about how do we make and understand our prison system and, and the rehabilitation process uh, better, you know. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, but we will be putting up online shortly, and I'll I'll, I'll have Sammy get in touch with you and let you know when that's available. Uh, maybe in the next within the next month. I don't know, but uh, I'm very proud of the work and all the filmmakers that worked on it, and all the and all the people who helped keep this sort of journey going. And uh, and I hope you folks will watch it and uh, maybe find something good in it. You know. Mm. Now there is also oh, going... yeah, you know we did we did do a live record with it <laughs> there is a record you know and uh, of the concert you know, and that's available now uh, for pre-order at Amazon you know so you can learn a little bit about the songs I sang. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was going to mention the record that's going to be released on October fourteen, I believe. How was this different to recording any of your other albums? What was the atmosphere like as you're up there performing? Well, uh, doing a live record is always a little bit nervy because, uh, you know, you got to get it right one time and that's it. And uh, so, uh, but doing it in a prison yard with, uh, you know, that Bushy Mountain State Penitentiary, uh, I know that uh, I was a little more comfortable because I'd been going back and forth up there for the last year or so. And I knew some of the guys in the yard, but the band... <laughs> I have to say the band showed a lot of courage and grit. And uh, there was a certain nervous electricity that 
goes along with every performance, but he probably uh, multiplied that by ten on that afternoon. Mm-hmm. And, and I, we had a great band. I mean, Chad Cromwell, Willie Weeks, and Dave Grissom, and Mike Owen, and Kelly Willis. Uh, Gate Mount Brown came in and did a song, and, and we I spoke earlier about Tim McGraw. He he showed up there, and he surprised everybody. You know, sang a haggard tune or two. Uh, and I noticed that on the CD, uh, you've got Folsom Prison Blues. What kind of reaction does that song get from a from a prison crowd? Well, I don't, you know, I, I do a lot of John's music to, whenever I can. And that reaction was over the top, obviously. Uh, and uh, I think, it, I, I believe that, the, and I know this from, Stories and testimonies and people that come back since we were there. That the afternoon and the weeks and the days of the visits uh, made a great difference in the lives of some of those guys. Some of them are doing better, you know. And I'm, I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. Now, something else you were a part of recently was the last season of the hugely popular series Nashville. Now, CMT has secured the fifth season of the show. Do you think there's a chance your character will resurface in the coming year? Yeah, there is. Uh, we, we're still trying to wait to see what everybody's who's on first, you know. Uh, m- most of the cast is returning, and uh, there are a few uh, other great, talented cast that may be moving on and maybe doing a few uh, episodes. And uh, we're still trying to wait to decide if, uh, what's going to go on with the uh, I, I don't know what Frankie's future is on the show, but uh, I know that uh, I was glad uh, to get a chance to do it. In fact, Charles Eston and I are buddies, and we were writing a song one day last year, and he said, you know, they're uh, going to cast a guy on the show. He said, I think you're him. He said, I want to call him and tell him. And that began a conversation that got me on the show. And uh, we had some great scenes and great moments. But I was rather uh, an antagonist. My character developed into a very hateful friend. And a lot of the Nashie fans, I didn't realize how many there actually are, especially here in Nashville, uh, didn't like Frankie at all, you know. And I, I, I began to get a lot of grief when I'd be out shopping or, you know, stop to get some gas. Little old women would come up and they'd go, you've got to quit being so mean to Deacon. <laughs> okay, Sorry about that, you know. But, uh, so I guess I played a, a uh, pretty just, I mean, I was probably the most hated man on the show last week. And so that was not unusual for me because I always play bad guys or have forever. But I had hoped that Frankie would be a more redeeming character, but not so. <laughs> well, who knows? If he returns next season, there's maybe still a chance to we'll turn see. him around. I believe, uh, well, we're, we're, we're believing Frankie will return if it's just to punch Deacon in the mouth again. You know? <laughs> oh, you don't want to get the fans angry. There are lots of them. <laughs> hey, little women throw tomatoes at me at Walmart. I'm telling you, you know, it's in Ed Kroger. I can't, I can't get out of the car when those episodes are. Oh, that's, that's incredible. I mean, obviously, the fans did petition for it to return after... Uh, ABC cancelled it, so clearly there is a, a huge passion. But it, it's remarkable to see the the real extent of that and how that's affected you know your life. <laughs> well, it's been a very positive thing, you know. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm proud that I've made a 
some contribution to the show. I think it's an important show. It's been it's a great insight into how somewhat how the music industry in Nashville operates. And uh, it's been a great and, and some very talented people on the show. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm very proud of being a part of it. And, and I'm, I'm glad the fans either love me or even those who hate me as Frank or don't like Frank. You know? mm. <laughs> So what would you say did you enjoy most about being on Nashville? Well, you know, uh, it was here in town. And uh, I could go to work and go home every night, you know. Uh, also, it was uh, interesting for me because uh, the storylines are about new people to town, and I've been a new person to town, and they're about people who are on their way up and people who are on their way down and uh, on their way back up, you know. And I've been in all of those situations. I've ridden uh, in those vehicles for 40 years. You know? So it was sort of, in a way, you know, surreal when I hear conversations that I've actually you know, heard in, in reality, in, in, in the real uh, world. And uh, that was a, a little strange at times, but also I felt like and even also, my character deals with a, 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 a his, he's his AA sponsor, you know, and dealing with addiction and relapse and recovery. And that's something that uh, is part of my history as well, you know. And uh, I've been clean now for 10 years, but there was a time when I understood very well the addiction and uh, so I was able to bring that to the world of Frankie, uh, and uh, I understand it, and, uh, and I respect uh, everyone who has to deal with it, and the families and everybody involved with it. And uh, so I feel like uh, the Lord gave me an opportunity to take some of my healing and recovery and bring it into the character. And I think that was really important for last season because uh, a lot of people watch that show to find uh, some connection and reassurance and understanding. Yeah. And, I, and that's what everything we do should be. I mean, it's, we, we, we want to entertain. And at the same time, we want to represent uh, truth. Yeah. If I could say one thing, that's what I could tell songwriters, just write the truth. Uh, and uh, even if you have to make it up. Hmm. <laughs> Well, you've, you've had such a dynamic and incredible career. What's the highlight been so far? Mm, gosh, there have been a lot of great highlights. Last night, the premiere of the, the Mountain documentary was a great highlight because it's something I've been working and pushing for, you know, uh, well, since, you know, late 1999. It's when I first started trying to get it done. And uh, having that work be seen and heard is a great highlight. Uh, you know, getting to know Johnny Cash was, you know, I guess I've always asked me what I knew about Johnny Cash. I said, the best thing I knew about Johnny Cash is that he knew me. And uh, that was a highlight. And more than highlights, not really the word I would use. It was, it was you know, an important, important part of my, of the good things that have happened to me. 
And uh, gosh, I don't know. I don't really count the highlights, you know. Mm. Every day that I get, get up and write a song and make a contribution, share the music, or, you know, make you know, do a film. Uh, that's another highlight, you know. Living every day is a highlight. <laughs> Well, uh, looking forward, what have you got lined up that you can tell our listeners about? Well, I'm working on a new record, uh, and uh, I haven't done really a studio record in a while. Part of that, I think, is just because I was too stubborn to do anything until I finished a lot of rush and got it out, you know. And while I've written for other cats and friends, and, uh, and I've done a few things here and there, uh, I'm working on a record now that, uh, that I think is going to represent where I am, where I've been over the last decade. And I'm excited about that because it's, uh, I'm learning every day, trying to grow every day, make a better song, make a better record. And maybe I'll have this one ready by hopefully first or second quarter of the coming year. Mm, well, that's certainly something to look forward to. Now, yeah, yeah, you know, we got a couple of film projects I'm talking to about, you know, uh, and we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you on my, on my list. I keep you in I appreciate you having me on the show. No, it's, it's a true pleasure to talk to you. Well, um, well thank you. Uh, for our fans who'd like to, to stay in touch with you and, and see all, all these details about your upcoming work, where, where can people connect with you online? Well, you know, Facebook, uh, markholly.com, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't really, uh, you know, uh, you can tweet me, uh, and I, they keep me, uh, I, I try to stay either in the creative uh, world, uh, because there's a lot of places I can, that they can occupy your creative space, and uh, I, I'm rather a introvert, extrovert, you know, when I'm creating them. I, I don't want to hear anything else. But Tammy uh, and, uh, and my little team here in Nashville, they keep me abreast. If you want to look at uh, Facebook or markcolly.com or Twitter, uh, let me know and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll get you, I'll get back to you through them. You know? <laughs> but they'll keep you abreast of what's going on with me. And, and I appreciate y'all if you listening have supported my songs and my records over the years and, and, and watched the films. And I hope I can make another record you'll want to listen to. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I still call them records, you know, recordings, I guess. Ah, I, I, I still buy vinyl, so, you know, who, who am I to judge? Yeah. Well, hey, Brush is going to be on vinyl, too. So we're doing vinyl now, so that's good. It's lovely. It's the best way to listen to music. Oh, yeah. It's the only way to me. <laughs> well, Mark, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure talking well, to you. You are welcome. And uh, all the you're best of the future. That was my chat with Mark Colley. In the show notes for this episode are Mark's website and the link to the short film where he played Johnny Cash. Now, there have been lots of new release movies over the past few weeks, and you can check out my reviews of all of them under the movie reviews section of the website right now. And thanks, as always, to our incredible supporters, Palace Nova Cinemas, Viavision Entertainment, Mad Zombie Collectibles, and Madman Entertainment. 
We'll be back with two more episodes in September. But until then, please don't forget to donate if you can. There's a donate button on the homepage of the website and your donations help keep this podcast running. I've been your host, Benjamin Mayer McKay. See you next time. (laughs) 